Book Two, Canto Five, The Legend of Sir Guyon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please go to LibriVox.org. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Two, The Legend of Sir Guyon, Canto Five. Pyrocles does with Guyon fight, and Furor's chain unbinds, of whom sore hurt for his revenge, Aetin, Chimocles finds. Whoever doth to temperance apply his steadfast life, and all his actions frame, trust me, shall find no greater enemy than stubborn perturbation to the same, to which right well the wise do give that name, for it the goodly piece of stay at minds does overthrow, and a troublous war proclaim, his own woe's author, who so bound it finds, as did Pyrocles, and it willfully unbinds. After that varlet's flight, it was not long, ere on the plain, fast pricking Guyon spied, one in bright arms embattled full strong that as the sunny beams do glance and glide upon the trembling wave, so shined bright, and round about him threw forth sparkling fire, that seemed him to inflame on every side. His steed was bloody red and foamed ire, when with the mastering spur he did him roughly stire. Approaching nigh he never stayed to greet, ne chaff our words, proud courage to provoke but pricked so fierce that underneath his feet the smouldering dust did round about him smoke, both horse and man, nigh able for to choke, and fairly couching his steel-headed spear, him first saluted with a sturdy stroke. It booted not Sir Guyon coming near to think such hideous puissance on foot to bear. But lightly shunned it in passing by, with his bright blade did smite at him so fell, that the sharp steel, arriving forcibly on his broad shield, bit not, but glancing fell on his horse neck before the quilted cell, and from the head the body sundered quite. So him dismounted low, he did compel on foot with him to match an equal fight. The trunked beast fast bleeding did him foully dight. Sore bruised with the fall, he slow uprose, and all enraged, thus him loudly shent. Disleal knight, whose coward courage chose to wreak itself on beast all innocent, and shunned the mark at which it should be meant, thereby thine arms seem strong, but manhood frail. So hast thou oft with guile thy honour blent, but little may such guile thee now avail, if wanted force, and fortune do not much me fail. With that he drew his flaming sword, and struck at him so fiercely, that the upper marge of his seven-folded shield away it took, and glancing on his helmet made a large and open gash therein. Were not his targe that broke the violence of his intent, the weary soul from thence it would discharge, Nathless so sore a buff to him it lent, That made him reel, and to his breast his beaver bent. Exceeding wroth was Guyon at that blow, And much ashamed that stroke of living arm Should him dismay, and make him stoop so low, 
though otherwise it did him little harm. Though hurling high his iron-braced arm, he smote so manly on his shoulder-plate that all his left side it did quite disarm. Yet there the steel stayed not, but inly bate deep in his flesh, and opened wide a red flood-gate. Deadly dismayed with horror of that dint Pyrocles was, and grieved eke entire, yet nay the more did it his fury stint, but added flame unto his former fire, that well-nigh molt his heart in raging ire. Nay thenceforth his approved skill to ward or strike or hurtle round in ware-like gyre, remembered he, nay cared for his self-guard, but rudely raged and like a cruel tiger fired. He hewed and lashed and foined and thundered blows, and every way did seek into his life. Nay plate, nay mail could ward so mighty throws, but yielded passage to his cruel knife. But Guyon, in the heat of all his strife, was wary wise, and closely did await a vantage, whilst his foe did rage most rife. Sometimes athwart, sometimes he struck him straight, and falsed oft his blows to lewd him with such bait. Like as a lion, whose imperial power a proud, rebellious unicorn defies, to avoid the rash assault and wrathful store of his fierce foe, him to a tree applies, and when him, running in full course, he spies, he slips aside. The whiles that furious beast his precious horn sought of his enemy strikes in the stock, nay thence can be released, but to the mighty victor yields a bounteous feast. With such fair slight him Guyon often failed, till at the last all breathless, weary, faint, him spying with fresh onset he assailed, and kindling new his courage seeming quaint, struck him so hugely that through great constraint he made him stoop perforce unto his knee and do unwilling worship to the saint that on his shield depainted he did see such homage till that instant never learned he whom guyon seeing stoop pursued fast the present offer of fair victory and soon his dreadful blade about he cast wherewith he smote his haughty crest so high that straight on ground made him full low to lie. Then on his breast his victor foot he thrust. With that he cried, Mercy, do me not die, nay deem thy force by fortune's doom unjust, that hath Mogray her spite, thus low me laid in dust. Eftsoons his cruel hand Sir Guyon stayed, tempering the passion with advisement slow and mastering might on enemy dismayed. For the equal die of war he well did know, then to him said, Live and allegiance owe to him that gives thee life and liberty, and henceforth by this day's ensample trow, that hasty wrath and heedless hazardry do breed repentance late and lasting infamy. So up he let him rise, who with grim look and countenance stern upstanding, gan to grind his grated teeth for great disdain, and shook his sandy locks, long hanging down behind, knotted in blood and dust for grief of mind, 
that he in odds of arms was conquered. Yet in himself some comfort he did find that him so noble knight had mastered, whose bounty more than might, yet both he wondered. Which Guyon marking said, Be not aggrieved, sir knight, that thus ye now subdued are. Was never man who most conquests achieved, but sometimes had the worse, and lost by war, yet shortly gained, that loss exceeded far. Loss is no shame, nor to be less than foe, but to be lesser than himself doth mar both loser's lot and victor's praise also. Vain others overthrows who self doth overthrow. Fly, O Pyrocles, fly the dreadful war that in thyself thy lesser parts do move. Outrageous anger and woe-working jar, direful impatience and heart-murdering love, those, those thy foes, those warriors far remove, which thee to endless bale captivate led, but sith in might thou didst my mercy prove, of courtesy to me the cause a reed, that thee against me drew with so impetuous dread. Dreadless, said he, that shall I soon declare, it was complained that thou hadst done great tort unto an aged woman, poor and bare, enthralled her in chains with strong effort, void of all succor and needful comfort. That ill beseems thee, such as I thee see, to work such shame. Therefore I thee exhort to change thy will and set occasion free, and to her captive son yield his first liberty. Thereat Sir Guyon smiled, and is that all, said he, that thee so sore displeased hath? Great mercy, sure, for to enlarge a thrall, whose freedom shall thee turn to greatest scath, natheless now quench thy what emboiling wrath. Lo, there they be, to thee I yield them free. Thereat he wondrous glad, out of the path did lightly leap, where he them bound did see, and gan to break the banks of their captivity. Soon as occasion felt herself untied, before her son could well assoiled be, she to her use returned and straight defied both Guyon and Pyrocles. The one, said she, because he won, the other because he was won. So matter did she make of naught to stir up strife and do them disagree. But soon as furor was enlarged, she sought to kindle his quenched fire, and thousand causes wrought. It was not long ere she inflamed him so that he would all gates with Pyrocles fight, and his redeemer challenged for his foe, because he had not well maintained his right, but yielded had to that same stranger knight. Now again Pyrocles waxes his wood as he, and him affronted with impatient might, so both together fierce engrasped be, whilst Guyon standing by their uncouth strife does see. Him all that while occasion did provoke against Pyrocles, and new matter framed upon the old, him stirring to be roke of his late wrongs, in which she oft him blamed for suffering such abuse as knighthood shamed, and him disabled quite. But he was wise, nay would with vain occasions be inflamed, yet others she more urgent did devise, 
yet nothing could him to impatience entice. There fell contention still increased more and more, thereby increased furor's might, that he his foe has hurt and wounded sore, and him in blood and dirt deformed quite. His mother eke, more to augment his spite, now brought to him a flaming firebrand, which she in Stygian lake, I, burning bright, had kindled, that she gave into his hand, that armed with fire, more hardly he mote him withstand. Though gin that villain wax so fierce and strong, that nothing might sustain his furious force, he cast him down to ground, and all along drew him through dirt and mire without remorse, and foully battered his comely course. That Guyon much disdained so loathly sight, at last he was compelled to cry perforce, Help, O oh, Sir Guyon, help most noble knight to rid a wretched man from hands of hellish white. The knight was greatly moved at his plaint, and gan him dight to succour his distress, till that the palmer by his grave restraint him stayed from yielding pitiful redress, and said, Dear son, thy causeless ruth repress, nay let thy stout heart melt in pity vain, he that his sorrow sought through wilfulness, and his foe fettered, would release again, deserves to taste his folly's fruit, repented pain. Guyon obeyed, so him away he drew from needless trouble of renewing fight, already fought, his voyage to pursue. But rash Pyrocles' varlet, ate in height, when late he saw his lord in heavy plight, under Sir Guyon's puissant stroke to fall, him deeming dead, as then he seemed in sight, fled fast away to tell his funeral unto his brother, whom Chimocles' men did call. He was a man of rare redoubted might, famous throughout the world for warlike praise, and glorious spoils purchased in perilous fight. Full many doughty knights he in his days had done to death, subdued in equal phrase, whose carcasses for terror of his name, of fowls and beasts he made the piteous praise, and hung their conquered arms for more defame on gallow trees, in honour of his dearest dame. His dearest dame is that enchanteress, the vile Acrasia, that with vain delights and idle pleasures in her bower of bliss, does charm her lovers, and the feeble sprites can call out of the bodies of frail whites, whom then she does transform to monstrous hues, and horribly misshapes with ugly sights, captived eternally in iron muse, and darksome dens, where Titan his face never shews. There Aten found Chimocles sojourning, to serve his layman's love, for he by kind was given all to lust and loose living, whenever his fierce hands he free mote find, and now he has poured out his idle mind into dainty delicies and lavish joys, having his warlike weapons cast behind, and flows in pleasures and vain pleasing toys, mingled amongst loose ladies and lascivious boys. And over him art striving to compare, with nature did an arbor green dispread, framed of wanton ivy, flowering fair, 
through which the fragrant eglantine did spread his pricking arms entrailed with roses red which dainty odours round about them threw and all within with flowers was garnished that when mild zephyrus amongst them blew did breathe out bounteous smells and painted colours shew and fast beside there trickled softly down a gentle stream whose murmuring wave did play amongst the pumy stones and made a sown to lull him soft to sleep that by it lay the weary traveller wandering that way therein did often quench his thirsty heat and then by it his weary limbs display whiles creeping slumber made him to forget his former pain and wiped away his toilsome sweat and on the other side a pleasant grove was shot up high full of the stately tree that it dedicated is to olympic jove and his son alcides when as he gained in nemea goodly victory therein the merry birds of every sort chanted aloud their cheerful harmony and made amongst themselves a sweet consort that quickened the dull sprite with musical comfort there he him found all carelessly displayed in secret shadow from the sunny ray on a sweet bed of lilies softly laid amidst a flock of damsels fresh and gay that round about him dissolute did play their wanton follies and light merriment every one of which did loosely disarray her upper parts of meek habiliments and shewed them naked decked with many ornaments and every one of them strove with most delights him to a great and greatest pleasures shew some framed fair looks glancing like evening lights others sweet words dropping like honey dew some bathed kisses and did soft him brew the sugared liquor through his melting lips one boasts her beauty and does yield to view her dainty limbs above her tender hips another her outboasts and all for trial strips he like an adder lurking in the weeds his wandering thought in deep desire does steep and his frail eye with spoil of beauty feeds sometimes he falsely feigns himself to sleep whiles through their lids his wanton eyes do peep to steal a snatch of amorous conceit whereby close fire in his heart does creep so he them deceives deceived in his deceit made drunk with drugs of dear voluptuous receipt ate in arriving there when him he spied thus in still waves of deep delight to wade fiercely approaching to him loudly cried chymocles oh no but chymocles shade in which that manly person late did fade what is become of great acrates son or where hath he hung up his mortal blade that hath so many haughty conquests won is all his force forlorn and all his glory done then pricking him with his sharp pointed dart he said up up thou womanish weak knight that here in ladies lap entombed are unmindful of thy praise and prowest might and witless eke of lately wrought despite 
while sad Pyrocles lies on senseless ground, and groaneth out his utmost grudging sprite, through many a stroke and many a streaming wound, calling thy help in vain that here in joy's art drowned. Suddenly out of his delightful dream the man awoke and would have questioned more, but he would not endure that woeful theme for to dilate at large, but urged sore with piercing words and pitiful implore him hasty to arise. As one affright with hellish fiends or furies mad uproar, he then uprose, inflamed with fell despite, and called for his arms, for he would Algate's fight. They being he brought, he quickly does him dight, and lightly mounted passeth on his way, ne ladies' loves, ne sweet entreaties might appease his heat, or hasty passage stay, for he has vowed to be avenged that day, that day itself him seemed all too long. On him that Pyrocles' dear dismay so proudly pricketh on his courser strong, in eight an eye him pricks with spurs of shame and wrong. End of Canto Five Book Two The Fairy Queen